I'd like you to open your Bibles this morning with me as we are in the New Testament Gospel of Matthew, and we're continuing in a brand new sermon series that we started last week called What Faith Looks Like. We're in Matthew chapter 11, and we're going to be looking this morning at verses 1 through 15 in a message that I'm calling Struggling with Faith. It's really not uncommon for many of us to struggle with our faith. We might question our faith at times when it comes to spiritual matters. But we do forget, we forget pretty often that, that, that we live in a world of faith. That faith is something we exercise on a regular basis on many things that are so much less continuous than our spiritual life. But we still have faith when, when you're ill, you go to a doctor whose name you can't pronounce, and he gives you a prescription that you can't read, and, and you go to a pharmacist that you've never seen, and he gives you a medication that you don't understand, but you take it. That is faith that's living on faith. We're going to jump right in this morning because we've got a lot to cover. We're going to jump right into Matthew chapter 11. And, and, and we're going to see what the Bible says about struggling with faith. We're in Matthew chapter 11 in verse number 1. It says, When Jesus had finished giving these instructions to his twelve disciples, he went out to teach and preach in towns throughout the region. John the Baptist, who was in prison, heard about all the things that the Messiah was doing. So he sent his disciples to ask Jesus, Are you the Messiah we've been expecting, or should we keep looking for somebody else? We're going to stop right there this morning, and we're going to jump in really quickly the first point in your notes. If you're joining us for the first time, you'll see on the left-hand side of your bulletin there's some fill-in-the-blanks, and I'm going to give you those, and those fill-in-the-blanks will be up here on the big screen as well. Point number one in your notes this morning to question our faith is only human. To question our faith is only human. We learn that as we look at the story about John the Baptist and his questioning of his faith. In Matthew chapter 14, we're going to see why John is in prison. Matthew 14, verse number 3, it says, For Herod had arrested and imprisoned John as a favor to his wife Herodias, the former wife of Herod's brother Philip. John had been telling Herod, it is against God's law for you to marry her. Herod wanted to kill John, but he was afraid of a riot because all of the people believed that John was a prophet. So John the Baptist is in prison at this moment. He's actually in a prison in a fortress that is on the east side of the Dead Sea. Jesus at this moment is up and around Capernaum. He's up and around the Sea of Galilee. It's about 100 miles apart. And so John, from his jail cell, sends his disciples. Yes, John has disciples, people who follow him. And John sends his disciples to go and ask Jesus a question. They would have walked over 100 miles to get to where Jesus was. <clears throat> John had heard specifically about the works about the works of, of Jesus. John the Baptist knows Jesus by name. He's a, a, he's a person who, they're, they're related. We know that they're related, and they've come in contact with each other before. But John is questioning Jesus' messiahship. 
Are you the Messiah? Are you the Christ, the Christos? See, in our culture, we commonly use the name Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is actually, it's not a first name, last name, it's a title. It's Jesus, the anointed one, the Christ, the Christos, the, the Messiah. It is a title. So John is saying, I hear Jesus and what you are doing. I'm wondering, are you the Messiah? Are you the one that is prophesied in the Old Testament? John was there when Jesus was baptized. John baptized Jesus. Matter of fact, Jesus came to be baptized in this river where, where John is, is baptizing people. And John says, he recognizes that it's Jesus and he says, I need to be baptized by you. John would have seen in that moment, he would have seen the sky open and he would have seen a dove come down and he would have heard the voice of the Father say, this is my son. He had firsthand experience, but still moments of doubt in his faith comes to John. See, up until this point, John had known himself as a religious man. He was a man who, who, who brought others to repentance through baptism. But now he's in prison, and he doesn't have freedom. And he's undoubtedly left with these questions in his life of, who is it that I actually baptized? See, the Messiah was supposed to bring freedom, was supposed to bring political freedom. John's not free right now. John is undoubtedly questioning his faith. He's in a life situation that he really can't do anything about. He can't solve this on his own. Is this the way that it was supposed to end up? Was I supposed to end up in jail? See, John's down. Have we ever come down to in that point in our lives when things just aren't going right? We have no clue what's going on. And, and wow, God, where are you? I know where I'm at. I'm in jail and, I, and no one can hear me. That's where John is right now. There's a story of a little boy who was in the supermarket. He was, he was in aisle three looking at the, the fruit snacks. And as he turned around to go back to his mother. His mother was nowhere to be found. He couldn't find her at all. And he looked around and he decided to go to the front of the store and start looking down aisle by aisle. And he looked down aisle one and he couldn't find her. And he looked down aisle two and he couldn't find her. And aisle three, there's the fruit snacks and she's not there. And aisle four. And by the time the, 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 the little boy gets to aisle five, he sees an employee down there in a, in a blue vest. And he goes down and down and, and, and he just stands in front of this employee and what's going through his mind the, the little boy is saying, wondering did did my mom leave me at this store all by myself did she go home and, and forget about me and, and he feels sad and he feels scared and he, he might feel a little angry and he walks up to this man and just quietly says, I, I, think, I think my mom left me at the store. She was abducted by aliens or, or something. And he just starts to cry. And this employee just takes a knee and he says, well, why do, you, why do you think that? What makes you think that your mom left you here or that she was abducted by aliens? And he says, well, I, 
He says, I've been, I was looking for fruit snacks, and then she was gone, and, and, and I asked her if I can get some fruit snacks, and then she was just gone, and, and I don't know where she is, and, and the employee says, well, let's, let's look around and see if we can find her. And the little boy, he says, we can't find her. He says, I've looked all over the store, and she's gone. She's not here. She's not anywhere. The man took, takes the boy by the hand, and they start walking past aisle six, and in, in aisle seven, and he just asks them again, he says, so what makes you think that your mom left without you? And the little boy says, because I don't see her. Because I can't, I can't, I can't see her, she must have left me. And he says, has your mom ever left you before? The boy says, no. Has your mom ever been abducted by aliens before? The boy says, well, I, 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 don't, I don't think so. Not that I know of. So what makes you doubt her now? I'm sure she's here, we just need to find her. This employee found the intercom, one of the phones, and he pushes a button and he t talks to the intercom saying there's a lost boy on aisle 10 and then, then a mother with a full cart and little sister bouncing around in this cart comes around the corner and the, and the little boy can see that, that sister has on a different change of clothes and, and he cries out to his mother and he says, I, I thought you left me. And she says, I... I told you that your sister needed to be changed and I was going to the bathroom and, and I asked you to come along and I thought you were right here and he says, I didn't hear you. And the mom smiled down at this little boy and she says, have I ever left you anywhere before? The little boy says, no. And mom says, well, then I hope that you have learned something about me today. There's times in our life, there's times in our world where, where, where people will doubt. We'll doubt our parents sometimes. Maybe we'll doubt our co-workers. Maybe we doubt, maybe we doubt the weatherman because his accuracy isn't always right. We might doubt our, our, our criminal justice system. We doubt our politicians. We doubt our decision-making abilities. We but then we struggle with our faith and God is asking you, have I ever left you anywhere before? We say no. And what God says, he says, well then, I hope that you have learned something about me today. Do we in our world have this cultural idea that, and this notion that everything that we believe has to be proven? We do live in this world where, if you're a sports fan, if, if, if you're a sports fan, especially an NFL or a football fan, you know that a catch is not a catch unless we can see it on slow-mo and there is absolute proof that a catch was made. Nothing is done in our world without proof. Sometimes we still question our faith, and we've talked about that. We talked about it last week, that faith is knowing something that we don't have proof in are there times when we question our faith sure there are you know why it's because we're human but does this give us permission to question our faith so we really don't have any authority to question our faith christ has never told he's told us to have faith he hasn't told us to question our faith he's told us to have faith we're human we're going to have questions but this should give us pause though 
should give us pause that we don't even further damage our faith by being guilty and feeling guilty about questioning our faith. See, sometimes the guilt added with the questioning of our faith, it just kind of stacks on, right? It's, it's natural for us to question things that we can't see. And if we can't see faith, how are we supposed to trust faith? Jesus, as he often does, he actually answers our objections before we even object. And he does this again uh, in, in this chapter. Before we even create a lifestyle out of our own objections, he has an answer for us. Come back with me into Matthew chapter 11, we're in verse number 4. Jesus told them, Go back to John and tell him what you have heard and seen. The blind see, the lame walk, those with leprosy are cured, the deaf hear, the dead are, are raised to life, and the good news is being preached to the poor. And he added, God blesses those who do not fall away because of me. He said, tell them what you've seen, tell them what you've heard. Point number two in your notes this morning is this, there is proof of our faith in the works of Jesus. There is proof of our faith in the works of Jesus. Jesus told his disciples, go back and tell John what you have seen and what you have heard. He didn't say, go back and tell John what he has seen and heard. No, the disciples have been with Jesus for a little bit of time. They had seen a few of Jesus' miracles. He says, I want you to go back and see and tell them what you saw firsthand. They would have been astonished that they saw a blind man who gained his sight for the very first time in his life. They would have been amazed then to see the facial reaction of a man who is hearing sound for the very first time. They would have been just, just floored when they see a crippled man get up and walk for the very first time. And the good news of the gospel... The good news from the religious leaders of the day, if, if, if you were poor, if you were marginalized, you're pushed to the outskirts. You're not one that they're preaching to. The good news is preached to the poor. Jesus is saying, by these signs, you will know who I am. Jesus is saying, I want you to look at the word. I want you to look back through the scriptures, which would have, is our Old Testament, I want you to see that the Old Testament is pointing to me. It's talking about me. And this is what Jesus is saying is the basis of our faith that John should have. He says, look at what I've done. He says, I want you to look at the signs that I've done, and I want you to recognize that the scripture talks to me. Look at my signs. But even with this, even being as close to Jesus as John the Baptist is, one of the, the biggest names in the Bible, he still questions his faith. It's even spoken about by the Apostle Peter. He brings this up in his first letter. In 1 Peter chapter 1, Peter writes this. He says, you love him even though you have never seen him. Though you do not see him now, you trust him. And you rejoice with a glorious, inexpressible joy. The rewards for trusting him will be the salvation of your souls. Wow. The salvation of our souls is 
fully reliant upon faith. It's grace through faith, nothing that you can see, nothing that you could touch. You can't go and get a wheelbarrow full of faith and take it into your house. But Peter tells us that there is a reward for trusting him, and that is the salvation of our souls. It's that grace that God gives us through our faith. I want you to see that what Jesus tells John's disciples to report back to him is, is that's what he's giving you and I an example of that we need to do when we're questioning our faith. It's the same application that Jesus gave to, his, to, to John's disciples. It says, Go and tell John what you have seen and heard. Jesus is telling you and I the same thing when we're questioning our faith. He's telling us, what have you, what have we seen and heard? To recognize the signs and the miracles that Jesus has done in our life. It's a reminder that the proof of our faith, of our faith, not John's faith, the proof of our faith is in the works of Jesus. What can you look back and see that the Lord has done for you in your life? Who is, it that, who is it that you've been praying for to come to Christ? Who has that health scare in your life that the Lord has touched? Because you've been, you've been praying. What is it that the Lord has kept you safe from? Because you've, you've, you've been asking, you've been praying. What financial situation have you been struggling with and, and through and you had no clue at all how you were going to get through it, but you took it to the Lord and he found a solution for you? What blessings are there that Jesus has provided for you that are the signs that he is working in your life? A few years ago, I published a Christian newspaper that was distributed around the Inland Empire, and one of our writers wrote a beautiful story. She had two jars on her counter, and at the beginning of the year, she started to use these two jars, and she would write down her prayer requests. Every day, she would write these down on a little post-it note, and she would put it in one jar. And at the end of the month, she would take that jar, and she would take out the prayer requests and then on the back of that post-it note, she would write down exactly how God answered that prayer request, and she would put it in the next jar. And what she would find out is that God would answer prayers in ways that she wouldn't even imagine was possible. But she had an opportunity now to see how it was that God was answering her prayers, and she had this opportunity to see that God was indeed answering her prayers. We talked about this a few weeks ago, that the answer no is actually an answer to prayer, right? God's going to give you one of three answers, yes, no, or not now. No is absolutely an answer. But she had this opportunity, and it's a great example to us that in order to see what God is doing in our lives, we have to look at what God is doing in our lives, amen? Amen. We have to recognize that it's these works of Jesus in our lives that allow us to see our faith. Now, I don't want you to get the impression that I'm saying that your salvation is based on proof and that your faith is based on proof. I'm not. God's word should never be based upon proofs that you expect. We're told to believe simply because Jesus said, right? We're not basing our faith on physical and worldly proofs. 
that was actually one of the problems that was evident in these days and, and evidently one of the problems that, that John the Baptist struggled with when he was in jail is that, <clears throat> is that people in that time, they expected that Messiah was going to solve political issues. They weren't expecting the Messiah to save soul issues. See, Jesus had a different intention. He had a different motivation. He had a different goal in mind. People just weren't looking for that. See, when we put an expectation on Jesus, that, and we start putting limits on what we expect from him, what we do is we start putting limits on what he can do for us. We start kind of building walls and saying, if you're not acting, if, 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 if God, if, if, if you're not... If you're not answering prayers within this parameters that I'm asking for, then I'm not going to recognize. I can't recognize it because that's not what I'm asking for. Would it be fair to say that God can answer prayers above our imagination? That he can do so much that we can even think of? Even though John the Baptist was not 100% sure who Jesus was, if Jesus was in fact the Messiah, I want you to recognize this is that Jesus was, in fact, very confident in who John the Baptist was. Even though you might not be 100% confident in who Jesus is, Jesus is 100% confident in who you are. I want you to come back with me again. We're in Matthew 11. We're in verse number 7. Watch this. As John's disciples were leaving, Jesus began talking about him to the crowds. What kind of man did you go into the wilderness to see? Was he a weak reed swayed by every breath of wind? Or were you expecting to see a man dressed in expensive clothes? No. People with expensive clothes live in palaces. Were you looking for a prophet? Yes. And he is more than a prophet. John is the man to whom the scriptures refer when they say, Look, I am sending my messenger ahead of you, and he will prepare your way before you see before the story of jesus being baptized before we read that the jews the jews would have gone out from the cities out to the jordan where john was baptizing out in the wilderness and they would have been baptized by john for repentance of of their sins and 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 jesus is saying why did you go out there why did you wander out to see this guy? Were you just looking to go out and, 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 and see a, a celebrity out here in the middle of the river getting people wet? No. You went out to see a prophet, and he says people, to the people who are gathered there, he's not just a man. You were looking for a prophet, weren't you? And Jesus says, John the Baptist, he's more than a prophet. Jesus says that John is the one who is referred to in the Old Testament. And even though John the Baptist is sitting in a jail cell right now with faith that is wavering, faith that he is questioning, Jesus never wavers in his faith of John. He never starts second-guessing John. He never starts looking down on John. And that brings us to the third point in your notes this morning. Watch this. This is so important. The faithfulness God has for his children is unwavering. The faithfulness that God has for his children is unwavering. 
See, the birth of John the Baptist was prophesied about. An angel visited his father before John was born, and and throughout John's life, God was faithful to the mission of John the Baptist. Yet, John the Baptist wasn't perfect. He wasn't sinless. He didn't have a halo. John the Baptist would have been somebody who, who, who knows Jesus, but he's certainly not sinless. He's a human like you and I are. But I want you to know something about John the Baptist and his sinfulness. God never wavered from God's own faithfulness to the mission of John the Baptist. He never wavered. God does not waver from his faithfulness. John's in prison and he's questioning. He's in the lowest point in his life and he's questioning. When John is out there like dressed in camel's hair, eating locust for dinner, he wasn't questioning. He's in the lowest point in his life right now. And his faith is wavering. God's faith in John isn't wavering. Paul wrote this to the letter in his letter to the church in Rome, in Romans 3. He addressed this to the, to the believers, this New church in Rome. Look at Romans 3 with me. We're in verse number 3. Paul writes this. True, some of them were unfaithful. But just because they were unfaithful, does that mean that God will be unfaithful? Of course not. Jeremiah writes this 575 years before the birth of Jesus. And he's speaking to God the Father in Lamentations chapter 3. He says, the steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. There's not one person outside of Jesus in the Bible who did not struggle with faith. We go all the way back to the Garden of Eden. Adam struggled with faith and obedience. As a matter of fact, that's, that's the first step to disobedience is struggling with our faith. It doesn't matter how far away from God you are. It doesn't matter how hard your heart has become. It doesn't matter how weak you are in your faith because the steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. Great is His faithfulness. This morning our lesson is not that we have life with a strong faith or or, or if our life is, is weaker in our faith that there is something wrong with us, but rather this morning it's a reminder that people who are stronger in their faith have struggled with their faith. But they have overcome their struggles in their faith, their weakness. They've overcome this by continuing and constantly turning their eyes upon Jesus. Do you know someone in your life who you look up to as the maybe the greatest spiritual person in your life? Somebody you know, you look up to. And I promise you that that somebody has struggled in their life with their faith. It happens. Matthew chapter 11, where in verse number 11 says this, I tell you the truth, Jesus is saying, of all who have ever lived, none is greater than John the Baptist. 
Yet even the least person in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he is. And from the time John the Baptist began preaching until now, the kingdom of heaven has been forcefully advancing and violent people are attacking it. For before John came, all the prophets and the law of Moses looked forward to this present time. And if you are willing to accept what I say, he is Elijah, the one the prophets said would come. Anyone with ears to hear should listen and understand. These are so, such deep words of Jesus when he's speaking about John. That leads us to the final points in your notes this morning. Even the best of us still struggled with our faith, but had the strength to push through. It's the same John the Baptist, the relative of Jesus, the man who was prophesied about in the Old Testament, the man who baptized Jesus and watched as the skies opened, a dove came down, he hears the voice of God the Father. This is the same man who is in jail right now struggling with his faith. But he pushed through. You know what he did? With the only resource that he had, the only resource that he had was his disciples, and he sent them. And he said, bring me back information. I need to know more. I need to be closer to Jesus. I need to know. Is this, is this the one? I need to know. Please tell me. He went to his resources. He didn't give up because he couldn't find proof. He didn't give up because the Lord didn't break down the walls of the jail while he was there. He didn't give up when, when his next meal was honey and locusts. He didn't give up on his mission. He didn't give up when, when he went out to the river to baptize people and nobody showed up. He didn't give up when his prayers weren't answered exactly the way that, that he wanted them to be answered. He didn't give up when somebody of a different race background came to his door. He didn't give up when he was faced with ridicule from the religious leaders of the day. John the Baptist held on to his strength. How much are we like John the Baptist? You and I are very much like John the Baptist. Because every Christian, everyone, everyone who has faith, even a little bit of faith, we were all prophesied about. You were spoken about. Your life was spoken about in the Scriptures. Our struggles as Christians and believers were prophesied about. The difficulty of our lives as Christians was prophesied about, but God's steadfast love never ceases. It does not stop. God's faithfulness to you is not dependent upon your faithfulness to God. Isn't that amazing? He's not giving up on you. He's not giving up on anyone. He does not give up. Finally, there was this man who lived about 500 to 600 years before Moses even comes into this picture. And, and God told this man that he was going to have a son and, and, and he would be the father of many nations. And this man was getting way up there in his years. Him and his wife were both, they were old. 
I mean, we're talking like they're clipping coupons. They're, they're, they're going to the senior center to play bingo on Thursday night kind of old. We're talking like, like they're complaining about the arthritis in their hands, right? We're talking about they have one of those chairs that goes up the stairs that we see, right? They're reading the newspaper. They're in bed at 4 p.m. They're, they're watching reruns of Matlock on Cozy TV, right? They're, they're yelling at the kids to get off my yard, right? They're, they're old, they are, sorry, they are old, but God has said that you're going to have a child. And I want you to see what Paul wrote in Romans chapter 4. Paul writes this, even when there was no hope, no reason for hope, Abraham kept hoping, believing that he would become the father of many nations. For God had said to him, that's how many descendants that you will have. And Abraham's faith did not weaken, even though... At about 100 years of age, he figured his body was as good as dead, and so was Sarah's womb. Abraham never wavered in believing God's promise. In fact, his faith grew stronger, and in this, he brought glory to God. He was fully convinced that God is able to do whatever he promises, and because of Abraham's faith, God counted him as righteous. And when God counted him as righteous, it wasn't just for Abraham's benefit, it was recorded for our benefit too, assuring us that God will also count us as righteous if we believe in him. The one who raised Jesus, our Lord, from the dead, he was handed over to die because of our sins, and he was raised to life to make us right with God. Isn't that amazing? See, that's what our faith is all about. Do you truly believe that God will actually count you as righteous if you believe in him as strongly as Abraham did? The one who raised Jesus, our Lord, from the dead? I don't want your faith to be dependent on God answering your prayers the way that you want him to answer your prayers. This morning, I want your faith to be found in God's word. That Jesus was handed over to die because of our sins and he was raised to life to make us right with God. See, I know that there's a lot in our Bible that we can't understand. God's knowledge is so much deeper than ours. There's a lot of questions that we're always going to have. You are not, I will promise you this, you will not leave this earth with all of the answers. You won't. Because the answers are proof. But we're not saved by proof. We're saved by grace through faith. I know faith is difficult. But I want you to know this morning even the person who Jesus claims is the greatest of all born to women, the greatest person to have ever lived. This is Jesus claiming that. Even that man struggled with his faith. But he didn't give up. He kept going. His strength kept him going. 
We don't let go and walk away when we don't have proof. Because we're not always going to have proof. But we rely on what Jesus has said, what Jesus has done, and what He's done for us. And we can rely on God's faithfulness. And we can rely on His love. Because the love of our Lord is never ceasing. Let's pray.